Hey there, folks. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to give you a heads up about an exciting event coming up. Our first ever documentary-style episode titled America on the Knife's Edge drops May 15th. Following that premiere, we'll be hosting a live QA session on May 16th where you can join the conversation, ask questions, and share your thoughts on the topics explored in the episode. Visit OutrageOverload.net to sign up for the event. I'd love to see you there. Okay, let's start the show. Welcome to Outrage Overload, a science podcast about outrage and lowering the temperature. This is episode 25. In past episodes, we've explored research showing that Democrats and Republicans grossly overestimate how different they are from each other on major issues and how much they like or dislike each other. For example, a 2021 study by Pew Research Center found that Democrats and Republicans overestimated the percentage of people on the other side who hold extreme views on a range of issues, including abortion, gun control, and health care. These misperceptions can have harmful consequences for American democracy. When people believe that there's a larger gap between them and the other side than there actually is, they are more likely to support actions that benefit their own political party at the expense of the country. This can lead to political polarization, gridlock, a decline in civility, and even political violence. It is important to note that these outcomes are not inevitable. There is a strong interest in reducing support for political violence, anti-democratic attitudes, and partisan animosity among Americans. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of the Outrage Overload podcast. I'm your host, David Beckmeyer, and today we're speaking with a researcher at the forefront of a fascinating initiative known as the Strengthening Democracy Challenge, a joint project between academics and practitioners to crowdsource and identify short, scalable interventions to reduce anti-democratic attitudes, support for political violence, and or partisan animosity among Americans. Hello, everyone. My name is... Jan Völkel, I'm a PhD student at Stanford University in the Polarization and Social Change Lab. I'm very interested in studying and understanding morality and political conflict. And most of my experimental work focuses on trying to reduce problematic attitudes or potentially problematic attitudes in the American mass public. The SDC was launched in 2021 by a team of researchers at Stanford University, the University of California, Berkeley, and the University of Michigan. The challenge is funded by a variety of sources, including the National Science Foundation. We'll explore this groundbreaking challenge in depth, discussing the interventions tested, the reception they received, and the potential for positive change. Listen in to learn more about the challenge, its goals, and its potential to transform our democracy. All right, Jan. Well, thank you very much for making time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. 
Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I first saw this. Oh, yeah, you're welcome very much. I, I first saw this work that you're doing and, and thought, wow, how did I not know about this already? Because <laughs> uh, it seems to fit in very nicely with the kinds of things we talk about on the show. I've had on, you know, a couple of guests uh, talking about civility. I've had some folks working in kind of in civil dialogue. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dignity Index effort going on, but I, I had um, a person um, from that from that effort on the show and um, uh, Tammy uh, Piper, and we had a nice talk. And um, that's an, another kind of interesting project. And, and I saw what you're doing. In it. And so um, I just wonder if you could tell our audience a bit about this um, effort that you're that you're working in on the um, in particular the um, uh, what was it what's it called the strengthening democracy challenge I think and then there's a mega study associated with that and so if you yeah. could tell us a little bit about that and even educate me on you know kind of what is a mega study and, and how does that work yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a funny term you know like in times of like big data like we uh you know like, it's a it's a question of contention if we if we should call it a mega study or uh, or if that is too big of a term. Well, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, super super excited. You know, like, like some of the previous guests that you have had on the show were, were actually part of the strengthening democracy challenge as well. So Kurt Gray, Steve uh, Steve Gratier. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing all of the names correctly. I I hope they will they will forgive me if I didn't. Um, so the strengthening democracy challenge was our attempt of trying to identify the best uh, short and scalable uh, online interventions for reducing a variety of uh, of attitudes in the mass public that might be problematic for for democratic societies, um, such as, for example, um, support for and democratic practices so practices conducted by political elites that break with democratic norms um another uh attitude that we that we tried to reduce was support for partisan violence so like for example um supporting the uh, the usage of violence after um the opposite party wins an election or like another attitude that was part of the challenge was partisan animosity which is oftentimes defined as um, the tendency to dislike supporters of the of the opposing party, and the lab that I am a part of here at Stanford, the polarization and and social change lab, um, has tried to work on these issues for quite some time. Um, in particular, like persuasion on 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 attitudes, like trying to reduce uh, polarization. But we thought that we had had arrived at a at a time where uh, the need for progress on especially reducing the anti-democratic attitudes seemed very urgent. So we thought that we no longer just want to spend the the resources of with the lab on um, like testing our own ideas, but rather trying to collaborate with as many people in this uh, in this field as possible. Um, to like, like uh, test the best, uh, the best uh, ideas that, uh, that the that the field has to has to offer. And this field is really an interdisciplinary field in the sense that, like, 
we are uh, sociologists, we have like social psychologists in, in the lab. There are plenty of political scientists who are working on this, communication scholars, uh, economists, like people, of, people really from across the social scientists and also practitioners who like are doing work on on the ground, trying to bring people from the different sites together and and try to reduce polarization and uh, and anti-democratic attitudes that way. Um, and so we thought we would do a tournament where everyone, including academics, practitioners, and like whoever sees our call for submission, can can submit an idea, and um, and then we would test. However, uh, many ideas we would we would have the funding for. We ended up having funding for testing twenty five ideas in one of the biggest uh, social science uh, online experiments uh, of its kind. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so I, I want to jump th get this one in here early because I want to kind of make sure we have some clarity on it. So. You know, I can already tell that some people are going to be kind of wondering what anti-democratic means in this context and feel like, well, does that mean you're only attacking people on the right or does that mean you're only attacking somebody else? So tell us more about a little bit about how you're defining that. And, and because there's kind of a post-truth world we're in and kind of an anti-science world we're in. And I think people that people can react to that a little bit. So walk, walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So like. So we we started with the basic insights, which is based on prior research that most people uh, in the U.S. support uh, democratic principles in uh, in uh, in the abstract. So where it gets more tricky is when you ask it in a context of um, supporters of your own side doing something that is that is undemocratic and then the question is like to what extent do you do you tolerate that or not so like we we ask questions to participants depending on their uh identification so each of the participants identified as either democrat or or republicans we filtered out people who said that they were truly independent they were not part of the study and so if an, a participant identified as a, a, as Democrat, we would ask then um, a series of questions such as um, uh, Democrats should not accept uh, results of elections that they, that they have lost, or Democrats should reduce the number of polling stations in areas that, that support Republicans. And for uh, Republican participants, they would read a parallel item, but the but the in-group would be switched. So a Republican participant uh, participant would read, Republicans should reduce the number of, of polling stations in areas that that support Democrats. So like we we did not take a stand really in terms of like, uh, you know like asking it in a specific context where we say like the the right is doing this more. Or the left is doing it more. It was really from the perspective of the participant. It was always supporters of one's own side engaging in uh, undemocratic practices, uh, so that there would be a conflict where people had to decide: do they want to put party over democratic principles, or do they want to put democratic principles over party? 
And um and somebody yeah, thank you. That that's helpful. And then and then so then you would try like twenty five different approaches um to to see if you could move people from their sort of starting position. That's right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So like we had what we in the experimental uh, research call a control condition, which basically provided us with baseline values of support for, for example, undemocratic practices or um, support for partisan violence or partisan animosity. And then after participants assigned to the 25 different interventions, we got uh, got these measures from them. And then we could compare whether participants who completed the intervention scored higher or or lower compared to participants in the in the baseline condition and you were able to move if i recall what i read you were able to move people in many cases yeah that is a, that is a, that is a correct um it very much depended on the kind of uh, outcome and you know i think that this is very uh, very uh, interesting in terms of like this is a, a big field and many people have different kinds of priorities in terms of outcomes that they really care about right so like you know some people may think well i just want to reduce the basic hostility that is there between like rank and file republicans and democrats right which like may lead to a lot of problems in like groups of friends or or in families right and for that we found that people in the field really know how to reduce partisan animosity. So like out of the 25 interventions that we tested, 23 out of those 25 interventions reduced partisan animosity in part quite by, 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 by quite a lot. Um, and so the, the most effective strategies were to highlight a sympathetic exemplars of uh, uh, people who hold different political beliefs but who are still uh you know came across it as likable reasonable uh, people and then another effective strategy was to highlight a common identity that uh, the democrats and and republicans shared for example one intervention used uh the 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 national identity as uh, as Americans and said that Democrats and Republicans should should embrace their joint identity as Americans and recognize that they share a lot of goals um, and principles uh, consistent with that identity. Interesting. So to be honest with you, with all the research that I've looked at, I'm actually surprised that worked because it seems like our hostility has gotten so bad that that superordinate identity as Americans seems to not be as strong. Yeah. So like, I mean, one, one interesting takeaway from our study overall is that like the, that the devil is oftentimes in, in the detail. So, so, so I love that you, that you asked to dig deeper here. So like we, we found that like with these higher level strategies it's like very much mattered in terms of like how they were employed so i think that there was still like a lot of research that like needs to be done to really understand when certain certain strategies work better or worse so like, for example we found that the, that the national identity worked well 
um, there was there was a, another intervention that argued that um, many uh, rank and file Republicans and Democrats share an economic identity and an, and an economic interest, and we found that like that was uh, that was one of the interventions that was not very effective uh, across uh, across the board in uh, in terms of trying to unite Democrats and and Republicans and and move the needle. So yeah, it is like a question of like uh, like like uh, using a strategy and then also implementing it in 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 convincing matter i would say so i'm curious have you had like what's the feedback among uh, other researchers and 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 sort of the community at large are they starting to say okay well because i i hear because i talk to a lot of a lot of these folks i hear a lot of sort of doom saying like yeah none of this stuff works um so i'm curious if you've got some traction and people say okay this looks promising maybe we can do something here yeah, like I think overall the, the the reception of the study has been a very positive, um, both in terms of like the results being um, being better than we also had a like forecasting tournament where we had like you know, practitioners, academics, like uh, trying to predict like which interventions would work, and I would say that like our study probably exceeded. Uh, expectations there so like that is that is exciting and i think like the the sense in particular that i that i got from um the the feedback that we that we received was that people think that this is exciting there are tons of like mega studies or like these these like big studies testing many different ideas at the same time uh happening that are that are modeled in part after the after the strengthening democracy challenge um, there's, there's a, a climate change one uh, uh, that is uh, that has already been 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 concluded. We are we are planning a follow follow up projects uh, on this. So like I do think that like some optimism has uh, has spread. We also organized a conference last year where we brought practitioners and uh, and academics together, and there was a lot of optimism on the practitioner side who. You know, like I thought it was so great. We got like I think 56 submissions from from practitioners, and we want to acknowledge right that like this is the environment, the the testing environment we selected is our own area of expertise, right? Like that's what we do for 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 breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, for like practitioners, this is not the the way that they operate at all, typically, right? So, like, we thought that it was it was great that so many practitioners out there were like willing to 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 test their ideas in an in an environment that was like a bit a bit different from like what they typically do. And our idea now is by like you know to go back more into the practitioner mode and see like after we have uh, we. We have identified these these insects from from our study, where a lot of things are very very controlled, so that we can make uh, uh, so that we can draw the, theoretical conclusions. We want to go back to the practitioner side and see, you know, can this actually work work in the field as well? And I think like 
getting those those insights in terms of like how translatable, how convertible are the insights that we get from these survey experiment kind of study to the field, that is going to be super exciting, right? Because like if it's not, or at least for for a nerd like myself, like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so like because if we do find that you know like our survey uh, experimental results are are helpful now we, we have a model that we can follow in the in the future right from like like going from the survey to the to the field if it doesn't go well you know th then i think we also learn that we need to run our studies a, a bit differently because like at the end of the day you know we are we're interested in having impact in the real world yeah so like and i think you know like like uh researchers are like like to be like trained to be very very critical of uh, of the work but there's also an an appreciation of like when things don't work right we still like learn a lot from that we we don't talk that much about the the ideas that were submitted to the challenge that didn't produce uh effects but i thought like some of those ideas were like fantastic ideas you know and it's good to know that at least in the context in which we tested them they did not produce effects because now like you know like if you if you want to design your own intervention you don't have to go through through that process or if you're still a big fan of that idea you know you can say well you just did it wrong and so i'm going to show you how you have to do it slightly differently and and then it and then it may work yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. So yeah, that's, I mean, I'm super excited about this because I mean, like I say, I usually get uh, a lot of bad news and not a lot of, a lot of uh, hope. So this is great to to have a project here that has demonstrated, you know, that, that, that things, that some things work and you can reduce some of this animosity uh, and potentially things that can lead to violence. So I, I think that's great to, to have some hope on that. And it sounds like um, just reaching out beyond academia is also a, you know, as you say to practitioners, is also uh, something that could uh, be a good tool for scaling it up. Is that because, like you say, there are quite a few organizations out there on the ground that do do want to work on these kind of problems. So, I think that's great. I mean, I could sort of chat about this all day, but uh, but I, I think we've we've probably run out of time today. So, uh, I really do appreciate you coming on the show, though, and I wanted to thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much. Like, I I really enjoyed uh, talking to you about this i think i think you you put your fingers in, in exactly the right spots in terms of like the 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 next steps that we that we need to work on and i'm and i'm excited about going there good 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 awesome i, I really enjoyed speaking with you bye david bye bye And now it's time for our street outrage segment. In today's segment, we hear from John. People really need to take stock in how they react to things because how they react is really a reflection on them. How they think about themselves, how they view the world, their own prejudices, their own, you know, and, the, and this is how I learned this. I learned this by, I used to become 
very uncomfortable and or upset whenever I would see obese people. And it took me a long time to make that connection that the reason I get so upset is because I was a fat kid. I was bullied. I have, you know, some degree of body dysmorphia about my body image. And so it's really about a reflection of how I view myself and how I feel unhealthy or maybe fat or, or don't look good in clothes or whatever it is. That's all on me. Has nothing to do with the people who are just minding their own business, right. walking down the street. And I'm making this whole thing up in my head. That's me. And that's, you know, I have to call myself out on that. And I think more people need to take stock. And why are they so outraged? I will tell you what I'm very disappointed in. And there are certain, um, you know, late night talk shows, comedy shows. And I'm not going to mention the ones. But there are some that are very, very politically leaning. And this is on a broadcast network, right? And... You know, they've taken on this 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 banner of we're right and we're going to spend every night of our show not entertaining America, but we're going to be on this political agenda to, you know, instruct the American people on how they should think, how they should vote, how they should feel, because we know better. And that's the that's what I get from it. They're telling me I'm an I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. We know better because we're here in New York City or in La Hollywood, and we know more than you. We're more informed, more educated. We have a staff of brilliant writers, and so we're going to just, through using humor to soften a little bit, we're going to try and just, you know, spoon feed you what you should know and what you should be thinking. And I just totally, you know, I do get outraged over that, and I turn it off. Look, you know, Whoever is the president is, we all get a laugh at the president's expense. We get a laugh out of their policy mistakes. We laugh out of, you know, what they're doing in the economy. And that's how we cope. And that's their function, I think, is to help us cope at night and deal with the reality of whatever is happening. But when it becomes this relentless pounding of just night after night after night, and you can't, like, just come up for air for something else, you know, there's nothing else that's funny that's going on in the country <laughs> right. right now, you know. None, nothing else. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is it for this episode of the Outrage Overload podcast. For links to everything we talked about on this episode, go to outrageoverload.net. Before you leave, let me tell you about our Facebook group. Join in to connect with like minded listeners, discuss the show, and shape its future. Share your thoughts on outrages, give us feedback, suggest guests, and be part of a growing community. Visit outrageoverload.net slash join. And contact me on Twitter or Instagram, at Mr. Blog, and just say hi. Thanks for listening, and remember, together we can lower the temperature. <laughs> <laughs>